Good morning. So glad you could be here, and we appreciate those that are online with us. We miss you guys. Hope to see you back soon. But um, I wanted to just talk to you today a little bit about history. History is his story. And the way we view the scripture is that the Bible is his story. You know, I was a pastor's wife for many years, and the Bible actually confused me. I couldn't quite understand how the Old Testament seemed to be very different from the New Testament, and, you know, there's lots of killing and stuff in the Old Testament. And then the New Testament says, you're supposed to love your enemies and just give them everything and blah, blah, blah. So got it? So it was confusing for me. And then I discovered covenant. And that changed everything for me. It changed me in the way I understood his story and how we fit into that. And so when I reflect on the scripture now, I know that God, he created man and woman to be in this special relationship with him, wrapped in his presence. That's why they were not ashamed to have no clothing on because they actually were consumed by the glory of God. But there was that enemy, that serpent in the garden that messed up everything because he seduced that man and woman into believing a lie and the glory of God left and then they realized that they were naked. Well, the story of their life is not very different from our life. The enemy is constantly trying to seduce us into believing a lie and take us from our rightful place in Holy Spirit. Now, he can't get that from us, but he can take away our peace. He can make us in term, get us in turmoil if we tend to listen to him instead of Holy Spirit, right? So God needed a remedy to recover his original plan. And how he chose to do that, like you know, if you've been in this church for very long, is he chose one nation and specifically one family within that nation to... Um, carry the seed because he promises Eve that there's going to be a seed that's going to come forth. And so she actually thought it was happening right away, but in reality, it took a long, long time. So when we look at the Old Testament, we see the story of God, how the line of that seed needed to be protected, right? Right? Because it was so crucial that that seed be carried through the generations until the fullness of time and Jesus came. But there was lots of misunderstanding among the nation that was chosen and even the family that was chosen. God set up a covenant with them that if they would follow him and even his dietary laws, I mean, he just gave them all kinds of ways to protect that line. And when they followed him and did as they were asked to, he blessed them. 
But there were times when struggles came and they wavered just, I mean, we, we waver. And look, we have Holy Spirit. They didn't have Holy Spirit living in them. They had Holy Spirit coming upon them in, in certain ways, like the prophets and sometimes others. Are you with me? Okay, so today we're going to talk about a specific account in history, his story, a specific account that also has been very crucial to this body. So his story becomes our story, and it's and it's a beautiful testimony because the truth is God chose the nation of Israel to be a light to the nations. They many times mistook that they were privileged and they, they got puffed up and proud and they didn't always live out that they were supposed to be a light. But we go down through history and you know the story how the Israelites end up in Egypt and then they get delivered uh, through Moses, and then they wander in the wilderness, and now they're in the promised land. Joshua gets them into the promised land. And in that land, there still were enemies that had to be defeated, and so they were ruled by judges, and they, God's voice came through the prophets. And then at one point, the people looked around, and they said, man, all the other nations have kings. We want a king too. Did God want the nation of Israel to have a king? No, he was their king. But because God is like he is, he said, okay, I'm going to give you what you want. So Saul became their king, but Saul was not even in the line. He wasn't even in the right family to be the king, but God still allowed them to have what they wanted. Did it turn out very well? No. So there's a lesson for us. We should not be looking at what others have and seeking after what everybody else has. Our eyes have to be on what he wants for us. So in God's graciousness, he knows, because God knows everything, he knows Saul's not going to work out very well. So he gets the prophet Samuel to go to the house of Jesse, who is in the line of the promised one, to bring forth the next king. And that's where we are today, the life of David, one of the most favorite accounts in all the Bible, the life of David. David is just a shepherd boy. He's got older brothers, but he's sent out to the fields to care for the sheep. And I was, I was really thinking about David's life. You know, we get so caught up in our life. We read these accounts and I mean, they affect us. We think they're amazing, but like this morning, I felt like I was in the field with David. There was no internet. There was no lights. There was no distractions. I mean, all David really had was nature. He had the sheep that he was tending. And he had a relationship with this God that called out to him. And so in the field, he developed that intimacy with God that would make him be called a man after God's own heart. So 
some of what I feel like is right now, we're, we've been in this season of isolation. Many have, have had to be isolated from one another. And if we're using this time properly, we will set aside all the distractions of life and we will grow in intimacy as if we had nothing else. And I know that a lot of us have done that, but there's still all these distractions that keep coming at us. And much of it is a lie, a lie, a lie that's trying to seduce us away from the intimacy of our Father. So David is anointed king by the hand of Samuel through the Holy Spirit but does he rise to the throne immediately? No. No. It takes probably 14 years or so. And it is not a time of greatness. Though there's good stuff in there. But, you know, we all know that the story becomes that Saul is tormented. And he's jealous. And he's afraid. And so he doesn't like this guy. And he's out to get him. So David spends so much of his early years of pre preparation for uh, his kingship running from Saul. Now, he knows well enough to know that I am never to put my hand against the anointed one of God. Though he has many opportunities, he refuses because he has an intimate relationship with his heavenly father and he trusts him above what he sees. So the story we're going to talk about is in 1 Samuel 30. And it's a story that's pretty well known to New Life City. So some of this is going to be kind of a review for you. But it's okay because if you're like me, it's good to have those reviews because I forget. And so David has been given a city called Ziklag by the Philistine King, And that's where he's made his home. He's taken, the, remember the story of the 400 men who were all down and out and they were nothing. And so he's taken these guys and actually has gotten up to 600 men according to this story. But he's made them into this mighty army and they're following him with all loyalty. And they have been going on raids for against the enemies of Israel. But the Philistines think that they're doing that. David is doing it for them. So he's got this amazing reputation among the Philistines that he, he's a mighty warrior. He's very successful. And so now comes the time in the point of history where his story, where Saul has been told that his days are numbered and the Philistines are going to battle against Israel. And David lines up with all the other men, the thousands of warriors ready to go to war. He's going to go to war with the Philistines and stop. Some of the princes of the Philistines say, oh, no, no, we're not taking this guy because we don't trust him. Now, the, his commander says, no, you can trust him. You really can trust him. He's been amazing. He's done everything we've ever asked him to do. But they're like, nope, nope, nope. And so they send him back home to Ziklag. Bill Johnson, in his book, um, Strengthen Yourself in the Lord, says of David in this account, 
when, you, when the devil doesn't even want you, you know you've had a pretty bad day. So here he goes. He's back. He comes back to Ziglag, and that's where we start the story. So turn to 1 Samuel 30. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag, and burned it with fire. They had taken captive women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city and there it was, burned with fire. Their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives had been taken captive as well. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. This story became highlighted to me in the year 2006-2007. I was at Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry in Redding, California, and Bill Johnson had written this book called Strengthen Yourself in the Lord. It was required reading for us. And so as I read this book and that story, it just kind of, I took it into myself and I came home and I just, I was just on this book. It just changed my life. Because for me, what Bill has written is simple, but yet profound. And I need simple. I needed the words of that book in order to learn how to live a steadfast life. I felt like even though I'd been a pastor's wife for a long time, I could still just keep, be swept by every amount of wind that tossed about with every emotion. Everything that came along just undid me. So when I got home, I realized, man, this book just really, it anchored me. And then little by little, that seemed to wane. So I picked up the book again, and I read it again. And then Alan suggested, why don't you teach it? So for many, many years, I taught this book with small groups. And even today, I got a testimony of a lady who said, my life was changed when I went to that class. And it's never been the same. So I thank you, Bill Johnson, for writing that book. He told me one time, I think that book is more your book than it is mine. I'm like, yes, I took it from you. I have, it's mine. Anyway, it's all of our story. So much of our life is lived in that, sea, in that time of mystery. Between mystery and revelation, like, okay, I'm going through this stuff and I have no idea where you are, God. I don't know why you're allowing this in my life, what's going to happen with this. I can't see the goodness of God. You know, we're singing about his faithfulness. His goodness is chasing us. And it is. It is. Even when we can't see. Well, that's where David is. I mean, David has been steadfast. He's done everything that he feels like the Lord has called him to do. He's not touched, done the wrong thing and touched the, the life of the anointed king. He's put his trust in God. And can you imagine how he feels when he comes back 
And, you know, in some sense, I would feel like, you know, you didn't protect. You didn't protect my people. Where are you? He's greatly distressed. And then on top of that, you've got all these men that you've poured your life into. You have given them everything you are. You have built them into this mighty army. And now they are actually talking of taking your life? Pretty scary moment. But David, he because of all the intimacy, and I'm not, we all know that David did not live a perfect life. But in this moment, he strengthened himself in the Lord. I probably would have turned and let them have all those people. I'd have told them what's up. But I don't know if David did that or not. I don't think he did, according to the story. So, point one. Though you serve God with all your being, you will endure times of mystery and suffering. Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. Point two, there will be moments, because David said he wept until he could weep no more. There are going to be moments when your emotions get the best of you. And you know what? That's okay. We're created to have emotions. It's okay, but you just can't stay in that place. Point three. At times, those that you have helped the most will turn and turn away from you and actually want to hurt you. But you still have to have grace. You still have to have mercy for those. And in times of distress, it's essential to inquire of the Lord and seek his direction. So in 2000, so in 2006 or seven, I was introduced to this book. And that, you know, Alan and I would say, that's kind of become our story. And I think part of the New Life City story. Then in 2013, Alan invited this young woman to come and speak at our church. Her name is Kim Moss. Alan and Kim had been doing their doctorate together, and he was really impressed with the gifting on Kim's life. She's very much a prophet, but I love her because she is so steeped in the Word of God. So she was an associate pastor of this small church in California, really not not known at all. And Alan said, Kim, I want you to come and speak at my church. It was the first time she had ever spoken outside her little church. So we were excited because that kind of thing tends to happen here where we get to be um, launching people into a wider ministry. So Kim came and I think it was March of 2013. And huh, she preaches this sermon, this message. She uses this scripture. We're like, huh, that's kind of weird. Um, I mean, we actually looked at each other and kind of laughed and said, huh, she's, that's our, that's our, that's, that's my scripture. What are you doing preaching that? Okay. Well, within a couple of weeks, what was uncovered 
and many of you know this story, and I won't, I'm not going to go into it, but it became a time of great devastation in the life of New Life City. We suffered a loss that was unlike anything we had ever quite been through. And so we, we actually, it, it became not fearful, but trembling a little bit when you when you heard that because of what God did there. Now, the graciousness of God and the faithfulness of God is that he used that season in our church to actually um, turn all of that for his good because he's so faithful. And it became a real, a very important part of the story of New Life City the loving kindness of God, the forgiveness that was released, it became a a mark on us as to who we are as a people. And I'm not saying as we are as a mom and dad over a church. I'm talking about as we are as a people. The church was fully restored and went forward. And we began, I mean, it, it bolstered us because we understood that, wow, The worst of the worst can come against us and God is still with us. But we understood in that time what it was like to weep until you could weep no more. But you strengthen yourself in the Lord and you go forward. And then David had to inquire of the Lord. Okay, God, what do you have for me? Because the reality is the reality. His life is in shambles. All of his his people, all of the people, the wives, the children, they are gone and the city is burned. So, okay, I can strengthen myself in the Lord, but I still have to deal with the reality of what's around me, right? I can strengthen myself in the Lord, but I still have to deal with the reality that COVID-2020 wiped us in a lot of ways, It became a devastating time of separation and isolation from the people that we love. And it was not fun. But God, but God, what do you have in this time of mystery? What are you trying to say to the church? Where are you going to take us from here? How are are we going to deal with all of this? Well, let's keep reading. David said, to the priest, bring the ephod here to me, and he did. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, "Answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David went in faith, because he had a word of God. So David went, he and the 600 men who were with him, and they came to the brook Besor, where those stayed who were left behind. But David pursued, he and 400 men, for 200 men stayed behind, who were so weary they could not cross the brook. Then they found an Egyptian in the field, and they brought him to David. And they gave him bread, and he ate, and they let him drink water. And they gave him a piece of cake of figs, two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back into him, for he had eaten no bread nor drunk water for three days and three nights. There's that three days and three nights again. David said to him, to whom do you belong and where are you from? He said, I'm a young man from Egypt, servant of of an Amalekite. And my master left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. He 
tells them that we made this invasion, we burned Ziklag, and David said, well, can you take me down to where this troop is? Swear, and the young man says, swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will take you down. So they went down, they found them all eating and drinking and enjoying all the spoils that they that the Philistines had taken, and um, I mean, not the Amalekites had taken. Then David attacked them from twilight until evening the next day. Not a man escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels. David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away and David rescued his two wives. Nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. Okay. So, in February of 2020, we had a group come from Randy Clark's school, Global Awakening. Do, y'all, do any of you remember that? February of 2020. And there was this young, well, young man, younger man than me, and he, he gave the message that Saturday night, and he used this scripture Again, Alan and I are looking at each other. By this time, we're like, oh, Lord, what's going to happen now? And, but the, one of the highlights that he used out of the Scripture, and see, this is what I love. Every time I've, every time I've read Strengthen Yourself in the Lord, something else is highlighted to me. Every time we read the Scripture, God highlights something that we've not seen before. Well, Lewis he centered in on be willing to be interruptible. Now, when you look at the story, David and his men, they are, man, they're in a hurry because somebody's taken all their family and everything they have. So they're in a hurry. They're on a mission. They're single-minded. I apologize when you have to encounter me when I'm on a mission because a lot of times I don't even say good morning. I'm like, I'm texting. Have you got blah, 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 blah. Yeah, Kelly knows me well. (laughs) And it's like, well, good morning, Mama Gail. I'm like, sorry, I'm in business mode. That's what David was in. He was in business mode. I have got to go get this done. But what would have happened had they not stopped and cared for this one that was really nobody of any worth in their way of life. He was a servant, and he was about dead. But they stopped. They stopped for the one, and that one became crucial to the story of how they regained and recaptured everything. See, it speaks to me that we need to be sensitive to what Holy Spirit is doing in our lives and not just ignore the little things, the unlikely one that God will put in your path that could become a turning point for you in your destiny. Since that's part of the story. So, Point five, watch for the insignificant things the Lord wants to use in your life. So right after Lewis was here, we came to understand what being interrupted was because less than a month later, we were on a huge pause. 
it, it, it was shaking to all of the sudden be doing services with no one here. No one allowed here. And, and in some ways, we're still in that season of mystery where we don't fully understand where this is taking us, what God's going to do with it. But what we do know is that he is with us, just like he was with David. Okay, the rest of the story. Also, number seven, do not forget those who are behind the scenes. Bless those who have a lesser role on your team. Bless the, not that these have a lesser role. They're just less prominent. You know, the intercessors. I love intercessors because I'm one of them. And I long to be an intercessor hidden away, sequestered. I love to read about the mystics who, they were not known but man, were they powerful in the work of God in their time. The intercessors, the, the servants, the ones who are willing to do anything it takes to make things flow easily. Um, the artists, those who are holding up the, the arms of, of the leaders. But it also is very prominent in the story that David, when he came back and there was, um, there was controversy because when he came back with all these spoils, he had taken everything. The 400 men that did the battle didn't think it was right to share with the 200 men that were too weary to go. But that's not what David said. It's like, nope, that's not how this works. So we have to recognize that we, there are times in life where we have to carry one another. And, and have grace for one another. Like sometimes it's going to be me. Sometimes it's going to be you. But David had the wisdom to say, no, I'm going to share with everyone. Um, then David took all the flocks and herds they had driven before the other livestock and said, this is David's spoil. Now David came to the 200 men who were so weary they could not follow whom they had made to stay at the brook. And they went out to meet David and to the people who were with him. And when David came near the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except for every man's wife and children, that they may lead them away and depart. David said, my brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us, who has preserved us and delivered us into the hand our hand the troop that came against us. For who will heed you in this manner? And as his part is who goes down to battle, so shall his part be who stays by the supplies. They shall share alike. And so it was from that day forward. He made it a statute of, and an ordinance for Israel to this day. And then the rest of, the, the rest of that passage is just basically how David chose to bless the those others in Judah with part of what God had given him. Okay, that is the story of God. We, we're sowing into something that's much greater than we are, but the blessing is not just for us. It's not just for here. It's for out there. That's really the story. That's the, his story all throughout history. 
That's the story of the nation of Israel who at the right time produced the Son of God on earth to become a blessing, to change the life of every human being who will receive him. That's the story. And David is just modeling that because he has intimacy with God. So all of that is review. That's all stuff we already know. But where the Lord began to speak to me six months ago was, okay, David went back to Ziklag. He recovered all of his people. He recovered lots of things. But guess what? The city was still burned. It was gone. It was decimated. There was nothing there. Now what? So I began to read and look into, because I'm thinking, well, David must have, David must have come back and rebuilt the city and, you know, became mighty and blah, blah, blah all over again. But that's not what happened. He did go back to Ziglag and there, I was laughing last night because those that are old remember Paul Harvey, the rest of the story. The rest of the story was the battle in which the Lord prevented David and his men of going into became the very battle in which Saul and his sons were killed. It became the very battle that, that then ushered David onto the throne. Now, he didn't rule over all the nation in the beginning. He started with Judah, and so the story goes on. But the point being, David... He did rebuild, but not there necessarily, but he did rebuild and he, was, he had a promotion. He was promoted to a greater place in his destiny. David was anointed king and promoted into his place of destiny. He was promoted to a place of such favor and influence with God that he altered the course of history forever, Bill Johnson says, okay, I'm going to read, this is my, my key little passage in the strengthened book. So you can see one, finally one class, the ladies, they had taken theirs and gotten it all laminated and too bad I didn't do that when I first started because mine's all torn up, but whatever. Okay. It is well-loved. Perhaps the first quality that distinguishes a leader is initiative. God knew David would succeed as a leader because he took the initiative to seek him in the secret place. This is the same quality of maturity that he's looking for in us, to experience the positive peer pressure and momentum of a move of God in a corporate group is wonderful. It is wonderful. I wish I could have gone to Toronto. It is wonderful. But those who seek God's face and pursue his destiny for their lives when no one is around, those are the people who possess the initiative required to strengthen themselves. And here is the key. If they learn to sustain their initiative to seek God by strengthening themselves in testing, they will be the people who will experience the personal breakthroughs that release a corporate blessing to those around them. I've always said, I have marked by that, that's the New Life City Army. 
God wants us to learn how to strengthen ourselves through him because developing our skills will promote spiritual longevity. We need longevity because our destiny and potential cannot be attained in a few years. They extend to the end of our lifetime here on earth. If they learn to sustain, if we, if we learn to sustain our initiative to seek God by strengthening ourselves in testing, we will be the people who will experience personal breakthroughs that release a corporate blessing to us. So I felt like the Lord gave me a word for this church, for New Life City. So why don't we all stand? I'm going to release this over us, and I hope you will receive it, because I, I do think it is the Lord. You have endured this season that feels like loss. You have endured this pause, this interruption, and you have endured well. You have paid attention to the small things God has placed in your lives. You have inquired of the Lord and obeyed him. You have lifted the arms of your leaders and friends. You have carried those with less strength in obedience. You have grown in the Holy Spirit. Now you will rebuild and watch the glory of God be released in your midst. You will see many return and you will welcome many who will be new. You will receive a new leader with strong giftings, vision, passion, and influence. You will resume the work of caring for the city, the state, the nation, and the world. God is turning our mourning into dancing. In Jesus' name, I proclaim that as a prophetic word over this body near and far because I know with all my heart that there are those that are connected to the body of Christ in Albuquerque that live a, a long way off. I love technology for that. So I really don't want to go without internet. I just would like to, you know, pretend. I, look, I don't have internet at my little cottage, and it's wonderful. It is time, family of God, to seek his face, to shut out the noise, to fill ourselves with the Spirit of God, to be renewed, strengthened, restored, revitalized, revisioned. Whoa. But today, we're going to carry those who have need. <laughs>